So we have two readings today. Uh, The first is in Micah chapter 7, starting at verse 7. That's on page 935 of the Church Bibles. So Micah chapter 7, starting at verse 7. But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Saviour. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light. I will see his righteousness. Then my enemy will see it and will be covered with shame. She who said to me, where is the Lord your God? My eyes will see her downfall. Even now she will be trampled underfoot like mire in the streets. The day for building your walls will come, the day for extending your boundaries. In that day, people will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt, even from Egypt to the Euphrates, and from sea to sea, and from mountain to mountain. The earth will become desolate because of its inhabitants, as the result of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, which lives by itself in a forest in fertile pasture lands. Let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in days long ago. As in the days when you came out of Egypt, I will show them my wonders. Nations will see and be ashamed, deprived of all their power. They will put their hands over their mouths and their ears will become deaf. They will lick dust like a snake, like creatures that crawl on the ground. They will come trembling out of their dens. They will turn in fear to the Lord our God and will be afraid of you. Who is a God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. You will be faithful to Jacob and show love to Abraham as you pledged on oath to our ancestors in days long ago. Our second reading is in John, John's Gospel and chapter 10. This is on page 1076. John's Gospel, chapter 10, starting at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold, I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock 
and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Thanks, John, for reading that. Let me pray again as we come to look at these words. Heavenly Father, you tell us in the Bible that we are people who need a shepherd, someone to lead us and guide us, and thank you you've provided that in the Lord Jesus. Please help us to listen to his voice this morning. Amen. Um, well, if you, were, if you were fortunate enough to grow up in a happy home, you'll, you'll know that parents uh, really wanted to prepare you for life in the real world. Uh, which is why your view of what the real world is is quite an important thing. It, it might seem obvious what well, the real world is just the real world, but it's, it's not always like that, is it? So for some, the real world might have felt like a place where academic success is the key. And you were encouraged to sacrifice almost everything else in order to achieve that kind of life. Or it might be something a bit more fundamental you're thinking about. Our, our society is asking difficult questions at the moment about human identity. And depending on your view of the real world will affect the kind of answers you get. So if you think people are kind of neutral, a kind of blank slate, then there's the example of the Canadian parents the other year bringing up their baby in a gender-neutral way. When they were asked, are they a boy or a girl, they said, well, Storm hasn't decided yet. And they've got a view of the real world, haven't they? And they felt imposing gender was an, an unhelpful constraint. The irony, I suppose, is they're still imposing their own view of gender being uh, self-defined. Or there's some, I guess, even more serious questions about what it means to be a person. And what is a person? Michael Tooley, the American academic and philosopher, wrote an essay where he said, newborn infants are neither persons nor quasi-persons, and their destruction is in no way intrinsically wrong quite something. That was back in the 70s, 80s, but it's probably paved the way for some of the laws being introduced in the world today. Yeah, your view of the real world. So where'd you get it from? Uh, where'd you get your, uh, your view of the real world? What shapes how we think? How should we live? What is, what is life in the real world? And we've been looking at the wisdom of the Bible as we do week in, week out, and these past few weeks we've been listening to the prophet Micah. And as he wraps things up, he wants to tell us how we ought to live, what kind of people we ought to be. But first, here's a reminder of what Micah says about the real world that we live in. Look, he says to us, we, we live in a world where right and wrong matter. That's not controversial, is it? Everybody feels like that. I was interrogated a couple of weeks back by our household police. Some of the sweets were missing from the sweetie jar. Uh, the suspicion fell on me. The interrogation, it was pretty, it was pretty tough. They were not budging from it. They felt, they felt the theft mattered. And so did their mum. And look, it was a fair cop. I did it. Everybody, everybody feels right and wrong matters. Where it gets controversial is when you begin to ask, well, who decides? 
Who gets to say what right and wrong is? Is it family? As you were growing up, was it your big brother? Is that who got to say what right and wrong was? Was it the youngest in the family? Do they decide? Is it government? Do we just feel it kind of instinctively what right and wrong is? And if that's the case, what happens when we disagree? What if I disagree with somebody like Michael Tooley? Is it the loudest voice that wins? Does, does power make you right? And if you put it like that, you realize that there's really just two options. Either, either right and wrong is something we just make up for ourselves and it can change whenever we want it to, or, or right and wrong has a foundation, something solid apart from us. And if we want that kind of foundation, I want to suggest there needs to be a God who gives it. And, and Micah, this prophet we've been listening to, is firmly in the camp of right and wrong matters because there is a good and moral God who made a universe with moral foundations. And he says it in, in poetic terms. Right back at the beginning of the book, four weeks ago, uh, we would have heard these things where he says, Hear you peoples, all of you, listen, earth and all, all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you. The whole world. Bear witness. That's a court case. God's made the world. So he's the one who says what life in the real world is all about, from your identity to what gives you dignity, even through to your ambitions. He says what right and wrong is. And so it matters what side of right and wrong you're on. But Mike has also said, look, we are people who are stuck doing wrong. He's been speaking to the people of his day, and he's been saying to them, if you've been with us as we've gone through Micah, he's been saying to them, look, look at our society. It is at heart selfish and greedy. He's talked about political leaders. He's talked about religious leaders. He's talked about the people themselves. Back in chapter 2, let me read these words to you. This is one of his comments about the way the people live. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them. They, they defraud people of their homes. They rob them of their inheritance. Uh, that's the way they're living. And you hear that, and you understand it's part of what the Bible means by sin when it's talking about this idea of, of sin. It's people who say, I'm going to do what I like. I'll decide, for myself what, I'll decide for myself what the real world is. I'll kind of make up my own rules, and I'll, I'll live that way. No one else gets to tell me what right and wrong is. And that attitude, Mike is saying, it's taken root in people, and it's begun to shape our society. And Mike has shown us this, this kind of attitude, this behavior is repeated over years. It's almost as if they're, they're slaves to it. And that's a problem because Micah says, well, you still live in a world where right and wrong matters. They're disregarding God. And for these guys, it was the pursuit of money. The vulnerable are being hurt. And he says, you're heading for your day in court. They'll have to give an account which sounds gloomy. Uh, but this is where the Bible would want to say, look, God really is good news because it says to people who are, who are stuck on the wrong side of morality, stuck on the wrong side of God, look, God is offering to do something. Heading for court, guilty, completely lost morally. They, they need a God. Well, what kind of God would they need? They need a God who could rescue and guide. And that's what Mike has been saying. 
He puts it in ways the people of his day would kind of be familiar with. They would understand. They'd have images of this. They're used to kings who rescued. Uh, They're used to seeing shepherds who would lead sheep. And so he said uh, God would provide a a shepherd king. It's been all through the book, this idea. If you've got your Bibles open, just chapter 5 and verse 4, you'll see one of the the places where it's mentioned um, there. Let Let me read that out. Chapter 5. Verse 4, page 933. This is one of the times he, he mentions it. He says this, He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then the greatness, his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. A, a king, a king in majesty who will shepherd. Mike has been saying, here's what you need. You need a shepherd king. God will provide a shepherd king. In fact, as he he goes on, he says, God will be the shepherd king. God will become a king who can rescue and forgive. And confronted with a life that's morally confusing, where you don't know which way to go, God will be the shepherd who who can lead you through life. A shepherd king, he'll, he'll bridge the gap He'll bridge the gap between what they need to be and what they just can't ever be. He's the one who will do that. What is God like? What's the God you meet in the Bible like? Micah says, this is what he's like. He's the shepherd king. He's the one who comes to these people to, to bridge the gap between what they can't be and what they need to be. And look, we're in the same boat. It's been the message all through, Micah. You might think, well, look, I've never defrauded anyone. I've not stolen anyone's house. I don't steal. And you think, well, fair enough. I'm, I'm not accusing you of doing those kind of things. But we're like them in this regard, aren't we? Left ourselves, we want to say, I'll decide what I want. I'll decide what I want the real world to be. I'll, I'll live my own way regardless of what other people tell me. And it might be money that you go after. That might be your thing. The pursuit of, the, of money is the thing that dominates. Or it might be some other kind of achievement. It's why some men, isn't it? It's why some men will, will sacrifice their families in the pursuit of career. Never being at home. Effectively abandoning them because of the things they want to do at work. It's why some men will do that. I, I want the real world to be this way. And I begin to think I won't care about anyone else. It's why, it's why some parents make children miserable by pushing them for academic success that's beyond them. This is what I want them to be. I'll make the real world this way. This is how I see it. It's why you know that despite, despite the good things you do, and nobody's saying you don't do good things, but it's why you know despite the good things you do, there's a ton of selfish ambition pushing out from us all the time. Because God and his world are not the world we want to live in. I want to make the real world for myself. I want to be in charge. Are you faced up to that about yourself? Is that thing you know to be true about yourself? You've been honest about that? And it's why Micah would say the history of our world works out the way it does. So the, the question Micah is always pushing us to ask is, look, is there a God who would save us too? Is there a God like the one we meet in the Old Testament, a kind God like we meet in the Old Testament that would come for us too? And if we ask that question, he'd say, that's the story of the whole Bible. 
We all live in a world where right and wrong matters. We're all stuck doing what's wrong. But God's offered to come. The Bible wants us all the way through to find the shepherd king. So you understand the significance when Jesus stands up and says, I am the good shepherd. And I lay down my life for the sheep. He's saying, I, I'm what you need in life. I'm what you need for life. And he'll rescue us, not with a shepherd's crook, but with a cross. And he's the only one who can, who can bridge the gap between what you are and what you need to be. He takes the punishment, the consequences of our sins, so he, can, so he can take your life and start to direct it properly and one day bring you to the place where real life has nothing to spoil it. So here's a Christian. Especially if you're new to these things, you're wanting to find out. Here, here's a Christian. Here's what a Christian is. Not someone, not someone who's in any way morally superior. Not someone who's thinking they're above anyone else, but someone who's rescued and forgiven and now led by Jesus Christ. It's the message of the whole Bible. Have you got that? Have you been led by him? So if that's true, that's the message of Micah, that's the message of the whole Bible, and we've come to know this God, a God who treats us not, not on the basis of what we've done, but on the basis of the one we trust on the one he sent to rescue and forgive us, what difference should it make? What kind of people should we be? And for that, come back to chapter 7, to the way Micah ends his book. Three things, three brief things uh, as we come to the end. Look, uh, live life with humble confidence. That, that's verse 7. Hear what Micah says? But as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. How do you face a world with, with so many hard things that happen in it, where people live for themselves, when, when we experience the consequences of that? How do you live when, when you face mistreatment in your relationships, in your workplace, when things are done to you that are just wrong? Well, this says we can still live confidently because we know right and wrong they really do matter. And not in a just-because-we've-made-it-up kind of way. No, right and wrong really do matter because there really is a good and moral God, and one day he will bring everyone to their day in court. That's what this is saying. No injustice will be overlooked. Harm done to you, harm done to everyone else, it all matters. But while genuine trust in God can bring confidence, even in the face of hardship, it's it's never, it can never lead to a kind of self-righteousness. That's verse 9 of what Micah says as he's closing up here. Do you hear him? Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. See, Micah's saying to his Christian, like me, you're, you're not perfect you are all people who've done wrong things. You've done very wrong things, and you will have your day in court too. You're not going to avoid it. And the only reason you will get through it is if you're trusting the God who's offered to come to your defense, who's offered to plead your case for you. It's a way of saying, if you really do get to know this Jesus, if you get to know Jesus Christ, he can make you confident without ever making you arrogant. He's someone who can help you face up to 
the terrible things in this world with genuine bravery and the terrible things in your own life with genuine honesty. Can you imagine that kind of freedom? Not overwhelmed by the terrible things that go on in the world, being able to to look them in the eye and think, I know there will be an end to this. And be able to look at the terrible things in your own life and think, I know because of God this won't be the end of me. The freedom of knowing those kind of things. He will make you confident that evil will not have the final say and humble enough to admit that your own evil that you need rescuing from. And it's one of the reasons, as a church family, as we gather here on Sundays, it's one of the reasons, you know the things we do on Sundays? It's, it's one of the reasons, confession of sin, as we do that Sunday by Sunday. If you think, why do we keep doing that? This is one of the reasons why it is and should always be part of our worship. Because we're people in need of forgiveness. And it's the reason giving and receiving forgiveness. It's one of the marks of a healthy church family. Let me ask you, are you someone who's quick to offer forgiveness? Are you quick with that? When was the last time you had to ask someone for forgiveness? Is there someone you need to ask for forgiveness today? Something that's been rumbling on? A grudge that's there? Uh, This is the real world that you live in. Look, Micah says we're, we're to live listening to Jesus. We all, we all have hopes, ambitions, ways we want to identify ourselves. Some of us long for different relational situations. Some of us long just for a break from a particular struggle. There might have been hard things you've been praying for for a long time, and it's right to keep praying, but verse 14. Verse 14 is a, a different kind of prayer, isn't it? You look at it, and you realize it's, it's the kind of prayer that flows from a sort of humble confidence that we've been talking about because it's, it's not a prayer that says, look, I've identified I need that I, I know I've got. God, will you, you give it to me? It's a prayer that says, you know better than me. So will you lead me? And see what it says? Shepherd your people with your staff, the, the flock of your inheritance. Will, will you shepherd them? Lead them where they need to go. This kind of prayer, this is a prayer that's saying, the person I should be, the the way I think about myself, the the questions of identity I have, I'll wait before I define myself. It's not my place to do that. And the choices I should make, the goals I'm setting for myself, I'll be cautious not to think I'm the sole captain of my life because Christians are saying to Jesus, I live in your world and I belong to you. So you need to set the course for my life. See, how does he do that? Jesus, in our second reading, when he described himself as the good shepherd, he, he says this, my sheep, my sheep know me. And Christians know me. My sheep know me. They will listen to my voice. Reading God's word, it's hard, isn't it? You find that week in, week out. It's hard doing that. Putting it into practice, it's beyond us. And so we must pray, Lord God, shepherd me, guide me, keep me listening to your word. Do you pray that? It's not an easy thing to read the Bible. Lord, please help me to read it and hear it. You pray that for your family. Do you understand the importance of, of coming each Sunday as we listen to God's word together, this is how he shepherds you. 
Maybe you've realized that again recently. You've, you've obeyed Jesus' word and things have begun to change. Maybe you know it's what you should be doing. And stop putting it off. Live life listening to Jesus. And here's the last thing. We're, we're to live life amazed by grace. I don't know if I've told you this story. I, I, I love this story. I, I was once told about a supermarket in America that every day they used to give out vouchers to shoppers who would come there. And some vouchers would say a dollar off your shopping. Some would say $10 off your shopping. One, one ticket every day would say your whole shopping for free. And the story goes there was a young woman in the supermarket, a single mum. She had a trolley filled with all the things she needed for her family. She didn't have much money and she was so hoping for that ticket. And ahead of her in the queue was uh, a young single guy with a, a basket. He had three things in it, a ready meal for one, a bottle of beer and some breath freshener. You know, you know the kind of people. You see them at the supermarket and you think, oh, bless. And, uh, and he pulled out the ticket and he said, you're home shopping for free for those three items. And the young mum standing behind him was kind of deflated. And then he turned to her and said, Darling, our luck is in. And she'd never seen him before in her life. And she was overwhelmed, I guess you could say, by the grace of the man. Giving to her what what wasn't hers by right. She hadn't earned it, didn't deserve it. And saying, this is mine, I'll, I'll share it all with you. I'll share it all with you. Verse 18. Micah's question who's a God like you? Who's a God like you? It's what the, the book wants to show us. He's a God who cares about right and wrong, but it, it's not the whole story. Who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives? This book began with a vision of God coming to bring judgment, saying he would put his foot down on wicked people, and that's a right thing to do. But now at the end, verse 19, you will again have compassion on us. You will tread. What is it this time? You will you will tread our sins underfoot. Here's a God who wants to put his foot down, not on you. Just your sin. Forgive it. Remove it. Smash it up. Throw it away. So that all that's left is you. The real you. A real you that can one day live life in the real world, God's real world. It's part of what the Bible calls grace. And life in God's real world with Jesus Christ will be full of it even now with always more to come. If you're a Christian this morning and you want to check, you're starting to live life in the real world, check these things. Are you living with humble confidence? Are you listening to Jesus? And are you amazed by grace? Let's have a moment for quiet prayer. And then Rachel will come and lead us.